0: Welcome to The War. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, today we're going to bring you an episode of Al Jolson's uh, regular talk show from 1943. There's some Jolson singing, perhaps a little bit too much. A Tamset comedy, but that's kind of a matter of taste but uh, also just a very great interview later on in the program that really shows the heart and character of the great al jolson so let's go ahead and take a listen to al jolson's colgate program from january 19th of 1943
1: ladies
2: lend an ear to me ladies listen here to me better complexions in just two weeks palm olive brings you proof that speaks here's all you do wash your face with palm olive soap three times a day Then each time, take one minute more to massage Palmolive's remarkable beautifying lather into your skin. Then rinse. That's all. Thirty-six leading doctors prove two out of three women get better complexions with this new method in just 14 days. Get Palmolive because...
3: There may be new beauty for
4: you as soon as you do. So start today the
3: Palmolive way.
1: It's Colgate Tooth Powder time, starring Al Jolson and his guest Monty Woolley, with Carol Bruce, Parker Carcass, and Ray Block and his orchestra. Tonight, Colgate Tooth Powder is happy to cooperate with the United States Treasury and dedicate this entire half hour to the sale of war stamps and bonds. And here's
3: Al Jolson.
1: They call it a frivolous sale. A peculiar part of a gal With a heart that was mellow And all round good fellow Was my, my old
3: pal Got trouble,
1: sorrow and care She was always willing to share A wild sort of devil But dead on the level Was my, my gal's pal. A peculiar son of a gal with a heart that was mellow and all round the pillow was my, my old pal. Your trouble, sorrow, and care, she was always willing to share, a wild thought of devil, but dead on a level, was my dad. you thank you ladies and gentlemen well it's a pleasure to welcome you to another program another broadcast and another meatless tuesday ah yes meatless tuesday did you folks know that meat is becoming more precious than gold get this the other day a very rich girl got married and for a wedding gift her father gave her a beautiful string of matched meatballs <laughs> Say, Al, Al, meat is pretty tough to get these days isn't it, it sure is, Fred It's gotten so hard to get meat that riding academies Riding academies won't let a horse out without a convoy How do you like a thing
3: like that? <laughs>
1: and not only that And not only, at the racetrack down there in New Orleans The third race started with three horses in it And at the end of the race There were no horses, just three fat jockeys <laughs>
3: You know, Al, the meat shortage...
1: The meat shortage isn't the only thing we have to worry about. There's a the coal shortage, too. I know, I know, Freddie. I'm working at it now. I'm taking it up with John L. Lewis. Oh, I know him well. As a matter of fact, last Christmas, I sent John L. Lewis a pair of military brushes, one for each eyebrow. How do you like that?
3: Hey, wait a minute. Just care. a minute, mister.
1: You can't come in here. There's a broadcast going on. Out of my way, flunky. <laughs> I'm looking for an alleged gentleman by the name of Jolson. Well, of all people, the beard, Monkey Woolley. <laughs> Never mind the applause, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not here to entertain you. If You want to be amused, there's a picture of mine called Life Begins at 8.30. <laughs> Playing in your neighborhood theater. Go and see it, if you like it. If you like it, tell your friend. And if you don't, keep your big mouths shut. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Marty. You can't talk like that to these people. This is a Colgate show, and this is my audience. Keep your relatives out of
3: there. <laughs>
1: Furthermore, my marinated mammy singer...
3: Marinated. <laughs> these
1: people came here to see me. Oh, yeah? Came here to see you, well... What have you got that I haven't got, and if I had it, how could I get rid of it? (laughs) Tolson, I hate you. Monty, Monty, are you starting again? Look, I'd like to talk to you as man to man. So would I. Too bad we're one short. Now,
3: (laughs) Now look, Tolson,
1: I'm in no mood to listen to your untutored breathing. happens I'm not myself tonight. Well, whoever you are, he's no friend of yours.
3: <laughs> I warn you,
1: Jolson, I'm not responsible for my actions when I'm angry. Last week, in a fit of temper, I burned down my own house. <laughs> there must be an easier way of meeting Mary LaGuardia. Ah!
3: <laughs> oh,
1: I, I think that's pretty funny. I think that's funny. What do you think about that, Money? Leaving yourself wide open, aren't you, Joseph? (laughs) Now, Monty, look, did you come here to insult me? Not exactly.
2: I was a guest here two weeks ago, and I haven't been paid yet. (laughs) As my my
1: contemporaries would so eloquently put it, shoot the jackpot to me, crackpot. (laughs) Well, if that's the way you feel about it, Monty, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you a check the first thing in the morning. Oh, oh, oh. Who you take me for, Dennis Day?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't
1: look like Benny, but Monty, look, uh, look, I, I'm your friend. I, I wouldn't cheat out of your money. Don't you trust me? Well, as long as you put it that way, Albert. No. <laughs> Listen, you beaver. You're a heartless, unreasonable ingrate. Or to put it more subtly. You're a heel. Sir, <laughs> huh? you are speaking of the man I love.
3: <laughs>
1: Marty, please, let's not argue anymore. After all, you're such an intelligent man, so well-bred, so cultured. Uh, thank you. Now that's that settled. Where is that dream stuff?
3: <laughs>
1: that folding cabbage. That legal letter. Now, Monty, Monty. Monty, why do we have to talk about money? We have so much in common, you and I. Our careers practically are parallel. When you started out, you were just an unknown actor. That's right. You too, Al. But you improved rapidly. That's right. You too, Al. And finally, you became the greatest actor in the country. That's right. I, uh, I said finally you became the greatest actor in the country. That's right. Look, stop trying to think of a new line. Just read what I wrote in the paper. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> now
1: let's end this feeble attempt at conversation. Just tell me, whatever became of that delectable creature, Carol Bruce? There she is, Monty, right over there. Ah, what lip. What lovely eyes. What a gorgeous profile. Monty, Carol is over there. Stop looking in the mirror. <laughs> and besides, Monty... Carol doesn't go for that Harvard professor type. She likes a man with an up-to-date line of talk, you know. Oh, I see. Very well. Fix the wench. Oh, Carol. <laughs> Carol Bruce, come here, honey. Hi, Al. Carol, you, you remember Monty Woolley, don't you?
4: Oh, yes. How do you do, Mr. Woolley?
1: Hi, you fats. <laughs> How about toting the torso over to a Roseland and lacerating the carpet? <laughs> and that a lulu? I got a million of them.
4: I dig you, Jack. Right after I make with a little solid jive.
3: Well, all re... All re- All, re- all re- Beat me, Mama,
1: till my arches fall. How do you like that? Phil Harris with a beard. How do you like that? And now, Carol Bruce is going to sing a medley from Broadway's newest smash hit, Something for the Boys. And something else for the boys, folks, is to fill those war stamp books now. Sing, Carol, baby, sing out.
3: I'm
4: always doing something, something for the boys. Oh, I'm always doing something to their joy so don't tell me it's a wrong thing if i'm out with them nicely till three cause i'm always doing something for the boys or they're doing something for me hey good looking say what's cooking Do you feel like booking some fun tonight? Hey, 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 good looking. If you're not already cooking, could you meet me soon in the moonlight? Why don't we, two go roaming through the gloaming while the stars are combing the skies above? Hey, 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 good-looking. Give in and we'll begin cooking that delish little dish called love. If I'm out with them nightly till three, cause I'm always doing something for the boy.
1: Money. I, I I tried to raise the money. I owe you, but no one seems to be able to lend it to me. If I only knew where I could borrow some cash. Do you need money, Parky Parker. <laughs> Parky, am I glad to see you? Well, Monty, my troubles are over. You you remember Parky Cocker? Is he still here? <laughs> I thought you sent him back to the Baskerville. Baskerville. Same as the Wolfie. <laughs> Is that a real beard, or are you hiding from your draft board?
3: <laughs>
1: Albert, if it weren't for the debt you owe me, I wouldn't stay here a moment. This place is full of idiots. Don't go. There's always room for one more. No. <laughs> Justin, I heard what you need cash. Well, I represent that you need it. We got to Try and get it. Finance company. <laughs> and I'll get $1,000 right away. Positively, it's very easy. We don't want no endorsers, no co-signers, no references, no nothing. Just blood. Albert, I've decided to forget the money. When I look at this pixie in misfit clothing you have to put up with, I realize you suffered it up. Look at him, Al. Yeah.
3: Here.
1: That suit looks as though it's been slept in. It has. I wore it to one of your pictures last night. What?
3: <laughs> but the
1: reason why I don't look so good is because I need a shave. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Nobody
2: can see you need a shave unless they get close to you. And who wants to get close to him? Yes. You know, Albert, if we had this fellow in the 16th century, we'd have him boiled in oil. Is that good? I almost... I almost wish I were back in the dark
3: ages.
1: Sure do I. You look terrible in the light. And another thing, Mr. Wooy, Parky, Parky. Well, it's not Wooey, it's wooly yeah? Aren't you ever going to get anybody's name right? Didn't you ever go to school? Are you kidding? When I was in the fifth grade, I was voted by my class as the one most likely to stay there. Good, good.
3: <laughs> are you implying
1: that you only went up to the fifth grade? No, sir, I went all the way up to the sixth grade.
3: <laughs>
1: then what happened? I was drafted.
3: hockey hockey
1: with all the schooling you had, you certainly should have learned some aside telling all those whole stories. Yeah, what are you talking about? When I was in school, I learned all about reading and writing and... And arithmetic too, you know. I know that. Arithmetic. Arithmetic. Arith. Arith. Arith you know, you take numbers, you push them together, it comes out how much is it. You know that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, ask me something. Ask me something. All right, I'll give you a little example. Yes. How much is one rabbit and one rabbit? Two, but not for long. What?
3: <laughs> you
1: don't mind, young man? I'd like to put your mathematical nice knowledge to the test. Yes. Now, how much is eight and six? Eight and six. Let me see now. Eight and six. You take five, and you divide by nine, and you subtract three. That leaves nothing to carry. Ah, now, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, pocket Surely you know the answer. Go and tell Mr. Woolley How much is eight and six? Don't rush me. First, got to find out how much eight
3: is. What? <laughs> well, let me put
1: it this way, young man. Yes? Now, suppose you put your hand in one pocket and pulled out $8. Yes. And then you put your
2: hand in the other pocket and pulled out $6. Yes. Well, what would you have?
1: I would have on somebody else's pants. I know <laughs> that. Thank you, Monty and Parky. And now, folks, we have a special surprise for you. A man who's one of America's veteran combat soldiers. He was the commanding officer of the first assault unit that landed at Guadalcanal. It is my pleasure to present to you Colonel Leroy P. Hunt... Of the United States Marine Corps. Yes, sir, Colonel Hunt. Now tell me something. Right here is where you, you
2: talk a little bit, right here, Colonel. Well, i tell you, thank you, Al, for that fine introduction. Yeah, I thought I might floor you with it. <laughs> but I might as well tell you right now I am no actor. Well, that was a pretty good
1: performance you gave at Guadalcanal on opening night.
2: You mean I gave? <laughs> no, I didn't give it, to Al. That was the, the boys out there that stole that show.
1: Well, Colonel Hunt, I know that people would like to hear a little bit about the first attack
2: on the Solomons.
1: Could you tell us something without divulging any military secrets?
2: Well, I might tell you a bit. See, the most important objective was the airfield at Guadalcanal. It was completed when we got there. If it One week later, or in our attack, or if we had given the Japs a chance to equip that field with planes, it, well, it might have been a different story.
1: Colonel, would you mind telling us a little of your personal impressions of,
2: of the battle, please? Well, it, it started on Friday the 7th of August. Reveille was 4 a.m., and it was easy to get up. Everybody was nervous. At 7 o'clock, I told the skipper that we were ready to land and the command was given to go over the side. We were approaching the zero hour. Everything went off smoothly, just like a well-organized football team. It proved that the American kid will always come through when the chips are down. Given the proper training, there's no situation that is too tough for him to handle. I'm here to tell you that the American boy's intelligence and his initiative and eagerness to win are the greatest assets we have in this war. But he needs plenty of help from the folks back home. And I'd just like to say a word to some of the people back here in this country. I mean the people who are still complaining about what they're going through at home, such as not enough gas or not enough meat and, well, maybe the butter is running a little low. And what sacrifices they're making. Al, well, they'd better make some sacrifices over here, or those rats from Tokyo will be swarming all over your country and mine. And one more 25-cent war stamp is not too much to ask. You now, for a fellow that's not a speaker, I guess I've said enough. But before I sit down, I want the folks to meet a shining example of the kind of boy I've been talking about. A Marine who was wounded in the attack on the Solomon. Private First Class Dana Babcock.
1: I'm glad to see you, Private Babcock. I'm certainly glad to be here, Mr. Jolson. Folks, I'd like to tell you a little bit of what I know about this boy alongside of me. He used to be a baseball pitcher, but he's not going to pitch anymore. The Japs thought of that. He's back in this country getting treatments for his right arm, which was nearly blown off. And it's only by the grace of God and good surgery that he's got his right wing at all. But he's coming along fine now, aren't you, son? Yes, Mr. Jolson. I was lucky. Luckier than a lot of my buddies who'll never come back. Yeah, but we'll make him pay for it before it's over. And now, won't you tell us how it feels to look down the sight of your rifle barrel and spot a Jap,
2: huh? You just draw a bead and pull that trigger, brother.
1: Are the, uh, are the Japanese really tough? They don't care whether they're facing one gun or 20. They just keep coming. They came running, screaming, and hollering. And the more we shot, the more kept coming. When we got through with them, though, they piled up in front of us like a pyramid. Tell me, son, what's your own impression of the Japs as fighters? They're tough customers. All I know is we'll have to fight our way to Tokyo over dead Japs. And with guys like you, we'll do it. Thank you, Private Babcock and Colonel Hunt. Ladies and gentlemen Now I'd like to say something Listen, folks Right now, tonight Take a look in that top bureau drawer And see if you haven't got a book of war stamps That's only partly filled <laughs> I thought so You have got one You know When we all told the boss to take that 10% Out of our pay envelope for war bonds We kind of forgot about that book of stamps we started But Uncle Sam hasn't forgotten No, sir In fact The Treasury tells us there are actually $1 billion worth of unfilled stamp books in top bureau drawers that aren't doing you or Uncle Sam any good. Why, folks, just one of those 10-cent stamps will buy five bullets to load an army automatic. And the way our boys handle them, that means five dead japs. Folks, listen. Don't keep five dead japs in your top bureau drawer. (laughs) Fill up that stamp book now, in January, and turn him in for an extra war bond this month. If anything will do it, that's the kind of American spirit that will have Hitler and those lousy, jap yelling uncle this very year. I... I make a solemn promise tonight, here in front of this microphone, that I'll fill mine. Will you? Because if you do, we can promise our children... There'll never be another war. I dreamt Uncle Sam was talking To the thunder of marching feet And here's what he seemed to be saying To the soldier and the man on the street Why are we working and fighting Like we never did before Oh, we want to make sure We're going to make sure There'll never be another war Why will we follow glory Where the flames and cannon roar Oh, we want to make sure We're going to make sure There'll never be another war the ball you can bet we're in the threat to life and liberty once and for all when we've destroyed those destroyers there'll be peace forevermore for we're gonna make sure we're gonna make sure there'll never be another
3: war
1: listen americans You've got the right to say the things you want to say, and you're entitled to it. You've got the right to pray the way you want to pray, and you're entitled to it. You've got the right to live beneath a peaceful sky above. You've got the right to work and play and sing and laugh and love, and you're entitled to it. But today, there are those who would take those rights away. Today, the world is threatened by human beasts of prey. Today, we've got to unite and fight to defend each precious right from the forces of destruction. (laughs) Then all the downtrodden people... We'll be free from fear once more. And we'll bury the sword with the help of the Lord. There'll never be another war.
2: Albert, oh, that was
1: magnificent. I can't express myself in song, but I can tell you that every time you fill up a war staff book and turn it in for a war bond, it means ships and shells and tanks and guns for Halsey, for Eisenhower, and MacArthur. Good night, folks, and thank you all. We'll be with you again next week. Good night, everybody. This is the Columbia Broadcasting
0: System. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, KenCurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, GreatDetectives.net.